January 10th, 2023. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Petet Amud Bet. At the very bottom, the last line, three words before the end. Amar of Hasta, the Gemara is picking up on the Mahloket between Bishimon and Hachamim with regards to Navi Sheker, a false prophet. And uh, we, we saw uh, several descriptions and conversations about them, but it was a Mahloket between Bishimon and Hachamim about what is the Halakha with regards to their punishment. Is it a punishment which is liable to Sikila, that's what Hachamim said, or is it alternatively Henek, that's the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Says the Gemara, let's qualify, let's explain what it means, this Navi who's leading people astray, uh, specifically Mahloket, the dispute, the Mahlok between Bishimon and Hachamim is Be'oker Haguf Da'avodat Kochavim Vikiyum Miksat Rav Hastas claim, basing himself on Pesukim, first and foremost the Pasuk that he points to is in Devarim Perek Yod Gimel. The Pasuk says, so already the context is made clear. We're talking about the Navi not just disputing or leading astray on a mitzvah or mitzvot, but he's talking about God himself. He's talking about Avodah Zarah. And in turn, looking at that pasuk carefully, well, the statement in the pasuk is that even if it's lahadihacha, Min haderech. They're just keep taking you astray from the path, not in ta- not placing you on an entirely different path, but they're taking you astray from that path. The understanding is in the context of avodah zara, even if it's mixat, even if it's just for argument's sake for a day. Let's do, and I'm uh, based on prophecy telling you we need to do avodah zara for a day, even though there's not a full uprooting entirely to the extent that Avodah Zarah is permitted, that too is liable to death penalty. So again, look at the statement, Mahloket. What are we talking about when we discuss this dispute between Bishmon and Hachamim in the Navi, which leads people astray? First and foremost, if he uproots the very body of this prohibition of Avodah Zarah and states Avodah Zarah is permitted. That's clearly the Navi that we're... If a regular person makes this claim, we might bring them as Zaken Mamre, if they're a Mumhe, to Betin Hagadol, and deal with them in such a fashion. But a regular person, we, uh, we tell him Scott, and we uh, beat him on the head a little bit and uh, put him in a mental asylum, maybe. I, I don't know. You know, in other words, that's not death penalty. It's only when it's with Nivu'ah that they're, uh, that they're coming with that authority. So, Mahloket Be'oker Haguf Da'avodat Kochavim, Vikiyum Miksatu Bitu Miksat Da'avodat Kochavim. And as well, even if they accept Miksat, partially Avodah Zarah, but there's a Bitu Miksat, which means to say at the same time, they're saying, well, uh, for a day. Uh, we'll go on an Abu Dazara retreat. After all, the Torah has the statement, Min from the path. Afilu, the understanding is even even if it's just a bit off that path, in other words, not entirely taking you astray from 
proper avodat Hashem, proper uh, monotheistic uh, beliefs and practices. Aval. However, when it comes to other mitzvot, oker haguf disha'ar mitzvot, divrei hakol bechenek. First and foremost, if it's an uprooting of any of the other mitzvot, the Navi comes and claims, you no longer need to be Shomer Shabbat, you don't need to keep the laws of Kashrut and so forth. In such a circumstance, there's certainly a punishment. Is there still the Mahlok between Bishimon and Chachamim? Absolutely not. Everyone agrees it's Henik. Why so? We had a mahluk. Well, the Gezerah Shava and the whole um, technical dispute we had saw at the bottom of the Peteta Mutabet was on that pasuk that we just cited. But there's another pasuk, Rashi cites it, and I'll read it to you. It's Achanavi, it's later on in Sefer Devarim. Ashe Yazid Lidaber Davar Bishmi et Ashe Losivitiv. If a person purposefully, as a prophet, speaks in a way that I didn't command him. Now the context is no longer Avodah Zarah. There's furthermore no mention of Min HaDerich, which seemed to designate for us even a little bit off the path. Now that pasuk furthermore says, Umeta Navihahu. And as we've said several times in our Masechet, when there's Mita Setam Ne'emra Torah, that means Mitat Chenek. As a result, the statement here and the next statement of Rav Hasta is again, however, in contrast to Avodah Zarah, which whether it's a full uprooting or even a partial mahlokir bishimon hachamim about whether it's henek or sekila as we discussed the technicalities yesterday when it's oker specifically haguf the whole principle the whole entity of disha'ar mitzvot of any of the other 612 mitzvot or uh, 364 mitzvot lo ta'ase even hachamim say well the pasuk says umet what about if it's just a partial? Uh, today we uh, go on from prophecy, we go on a retreat to eat not kosher. Uh, tomorrow, just for a day, we're going to be mehalel Shabbat. Now these are terrible things. However, what's the halacha in such a circumstance? That Navi is not liable for death penalty. He's telling people. All of all of these situations. It's a, that's right. The second pasuk is sha'ar misvot. Sha'ar misvot is not avodah zarah. A prophet, a navi, is not doing anything with his hands or feet. He's only speaking words. The question is, what's his prophecy? Is his nivuah one which is instructing people to uproot avodah zarah? partially or entirely, or is his prophecy, his nevoah, to uproot a mitzvah or just partial uprooting of a mitzvah? That's all. Both of the pesukim are his words. It's a navi. He's not practicing, per se. We're not talking about a zaken mamre, who in turn is maybe doing it, or you see the others doing it. It's just his words. Uh, if nobody's listening to him, he's still being put to death. Oh, uh, navi sheikh, of course he's a navi sheikh. He's doing it with the authority either of God or of Avodah Zarah. And that in and of itself is dangerous. Obviously. But yeah. if he just spoke Hekeh like me and doesn't do it with the authority of some, uh, my understanding of the Torah is I'm less of a threat then. Yeah. Uh, the charisma and the appeal and the mystique of him being a prophet. That's what makes him dangerous. So the Torah says it then, and specifically then. Says the Gemara, well, Rav Hasta, your claim understood, but Rav Hamnuna disagrees. Matif Rav Hamnuna, la lechet zo mitzvah ta'aseh, ba zo mitzvah lo ta'aseh. 
or mitzvot ase, mitzvot lo ta'ase. The statement of Rav Hanuna, who in turn is, is really citing from a Beraita, it seems, uh, the, it goes like this. That same pasuk, which we said, uh, you're walking off of the path, but it has those words. It says, walking, lalechet. And the understanding of, uh, of, of this uh, Beraita is that lalechet is a reference to mitzvot ase. And the word ba, Rashi cites some gezerah, shava, which the mefarshim question. But regardless, that extra, those extra two words, it doesn't say that the person takes you off the path. Pasuk says the person takes you to walk off of the path that you were on. And those two extra words, la lechet ba, are nidrash by the hachamim, we call them milim yutarot. And as a result, la lechet is interpreted, uh, you know, in bechukotai telechu, to walk along the path of the Torah as a reference to positive mitzvot. And ba, for one reason or another, again, Rashi quotes some gezerah shava from Sefer Vayikra, that it's a reference to mitzvot lo ta'asim. The technicalities aside, but Rav Hamnuna is citing from a beraita, from an earlier source, that the reference in this second pasuk, the pasuk which we said, excuse me, first pasuk, the pasuk which we said was only referring to avodah zarah, is referring to mitzvot aseh and mitzvot lot aseh. Which mitzvot aseh can you find? Which positive command could you find in the world of avodah zarah? Avodah zarah is all about not doing. You found a positive action in the context of avodah zarah. The fact that, again, these pesukim and devarim perek yod gimal are talking about the false prophet, we said, in the context of avodah zarah. But then it says, lalechet ba, which we interpret as mitzvot aseh, and mitzvot lota, mitzvot aseh, avodah zarah. Who ever heard of such a thing? You tell me mitzvot aseh in life, I understand. Mitzvot aseh in avodah zarah, where do you come up with that? And Rav Hasta, you're the rabbi who told us that that pasuk is only talking about avodah zarah. In turn, the claim of Rav Hamuna, you understand where he's going with this, is that that first pasuk as well that we're citing on the page is a reference not only to avodah zarah, which is this strict contextual uh, statement, it's furthermore to all the mitzvot, which has major ramifications. Because it means if a navi, according to Rav Hamuna, comes along and says, just for today, don't be Shomer Shabbat. Not that he's uprooting entirely, there is no entity of Shabbat. He'd also be liable. So again, Mativ Rav Hamuna, lalechet, Dash, zo mitzvot, mitzvot aseh. Ba, quote unquote, dash, zo mitzvot lo ta'aseh. V'is al kada'atach. And if you, Rav Hasta, made us think, ba'avodat kochavim, that the reference in this pasuk is specifically to avodah zarah, and that's why in avodah zarah, even a partial uprooting is liable to death penalty as a navi, shehdiyah, a navi, a navi sheker, where do you find positive commandments in the context of Avodah Zarah? The whole thing by Avodah Zarah is don't do, don't do, don't get involved with, don't bow, don't libate, don't so forth. Where do you come up with Mitzvot Aseh? Interesting. Uh, so that's an interesting one. Is that specific? Uh, okay. The Gemara does better. Rav Hasta, in my opinion, does better than you. Um, but I, I think that's an interesting one in and of itself. It says, uh, says uh, Jesse says, listen, Yedi'at uh, Hashem, as Harambam will refer to it, from Anuchi Adonai Elohecha, and so and so forth, uh, that's to negate Avodah Zarah. He couples it together in some way with Lo Yelecha Elohim Achirim. All right. Well, anyway, Rav Hasta does it more or less out there. And more practical, you know, and most people like that. Tirgemar of Hasta v'nitatzten. Period. I said of Hasta says, well, the pasuk says that when you get into Eretz Kenan, you have to destroy. 
They have to be minatet their mizbahot, those of the uh, Kna'ani, the Emori, and so forth. There's a mitzvah ta'aseh, so even more practical with your hands and uh, going up to it and doing. That's la lechet. La lechet means if he says to you, you know, that destruction of Abu Dazara, we're not commanded in any longer. Whoa, 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 what are you talking about? It's a mitzvah ta'aseh. As a result, Rav Hasta defends himself. So it means that Rav Hasta's reading stands. He says like this. What's the Navi who brings other people off who's liable to either Hanek or to Sikilam, Hachamim versus Rabbi Shimon? It's a Navi who either fully or partially uproots Avodah Zarah or fully uproots Sha'an Mitzvot. If it's a partial uprooting, excuse me, if it's a partial uprooting of Sha'an Mitzvot, it's nothing. If it's a full uprooting of Sha'an Mitzvot, everyone agrees that it's Hanek. Says the Gemara Rav Hamnuna who disagreed. Rav Hamnuna, who just told us he doesn't think it's a proper reading because he had the lalechet, which was mitzvot aseh, and he's unimpressed by neither uh, Jesse's answer nor Rav Hasta's answer. He suggests a different approach over here. Rav Hamnuna, man machloket be'oker haguf ben ba'avodat kochavim ben misha'al mitzvot. Rav Hasta expands it a bit, and it, generally speaking, he has the same principles, the same guidelines as Rav Hasta. Uh, when it comes to bitul mixat or bitul hakol with regards to avodah zara, what's the halacha? Morning, what's the halacha? The halacha in that context is quite clearly the halacha is that. Uh, what about bitumiksat? Uh, just uprooting a bit of she'ar miswot. The halacha over there. Hill agrees. Divrei hakol behenek. Rashi quotes the derasha because the pasuk says davar. The understanding is a full matter. Um, what about? Um, uh, excuse me. What? Yeah. That, uh, let, me, let me redo this one again. And so he says. Here's how it goes. If it's an uprooting entirely of avodah zarah. Or of Sha'an Mitzvot, Mahloka between Bishimon and Hachamim. What about Bitul Mixat by Avodah Zarah, Mahloka to Bishimon and Hachamim? What's the halakha with regards to a partial uprooting in Sha'an Mitzvot? Patur. Why? That's what the Pasuk says. Davar needs to be a full entity. What's the difference between Av Hastan and Av Hamnuna? Let's just spell this out very clearly. What's the halakha in a, uh, in a situation in which a person uproots Sha'ar Miswot. Again, a person comes and says no Shabbat, a person comes and says no Kashrut, and so forth. According to Rav Hamnuna's reading, the halakha is everyone agrees it's Behenek. Why does everyone agree it's Behenek? Because the first pasuk that we cited is only about Avodah Zarah. The second pasuk which we talked about, that's by Sha'ar Mitzvot, and over there the pasuk says Umet. So again, if it's a if it's a full uprooting and sha- let's leave Avodah Zarah aside, everyone agrees about that. What about Sha'ar Mitzvot Shabbat or Kashrut? Mahlok it like this. If it's a partial uprooting, everybody agrees. Patur, both Rav Hamnuna and Rav Hasta. Here's the critical situation. What about a par- What about a full uprooting of Shabbat of Kashrut and so forth? According to the first opinion, Rav Hasta says Rav Hasta says Hanek specifically. Rav Hamnuna says either Sekila or Hanek because he reads it into our first pasuk. I say the technicalities aside, that's what they debate. They debate. Let's go like this. According to the Hachamim. If the person says no Shabbat, what's the punishment? This false prophet. According to the Hachamim in Rav Hasta, 
Hanuk, according to the Hachamim and Rav Hamnuna, Zekila. That's that's what we have. We'll need it just for a few more minutes here in the Gemara. Tanur Rabbanan, we have a Beraita, and we're going to test it according to each of these two opinions. A Beraita Hamitnabela Akor Davar Min Hatorah Hayav. So it says, if a person prophesied to uproot a matter from the Torah, Hayav. It doesn't tell us what Hayav. Obviously, that's going to be the million-dollar question. That's what I just told you. According to Rav Hamnuna, that's going to be Hayav Sekila, according to the Hachamim. According to Rav Hasta, it'll be Henek, according to everyone. Lekayem miksatu lavatel miksat. What if he uh, prophesied to, uh, to only uproot partially? Well, what's the halakha in this? Well, if we're talking about Avodah Zarah, we said it might be a mahlok. If we're talking about Sha'an Misvot, everybody agrees it's Patur. Over here it says, Rabbi Shimon Poteh. It's not only Rabbi Shimon. I don't really understand that statement if you're following the technicalities. That much doesn't take us by surprise. If there's Avodah Zarah, he says, let's go on an Avodah Zarah retreat just for a day, just for two days, just for an hour. That everyone agreed. We saw Min HaDerech is going to make you liable. So as the Gemara, this can be broken down either according to Rav Hasta's reading or Rav Hamnuna's reading, again, separated specifically and only by Akirat Davar Min HaTorah, a full uprooting of any of the other mitzvot aside from Abu Dazara. What's the liability in such a situation? Everybody agrees it's going to be Hayat Mita. Is it Hayat Hanek or is it Hayat Sekila? Rav Hasta versus Rav Hamnuna. And um, that's what we're going to do. Abaye Savar la Kerav Hasta. So Abaye, who maintains like Rav Hasta, what's the halacha if the person says to you, no longer is there Shabbat? No longer is there kashrut, according to Rav Hasta and the Hachamim, Henek. Everybody agrees, Henek, umitaret like Rav Hasta, and he explains this beraita, which is stated somewhat blankly like Rav Hasta. Rav Savala Kirav Hamnuna, Metares la Kirav Hamnuna. Rav alternatively, he maintains like Rav Hamnuna. Rav Hamnuna, if it's Akirat Shabbat, Akirat Kashrut, Akirat, I don't know, Evimenahai, whatever the situation is, the halacha according to Rav Hamnuna is Sekila. How are you going to explain this Beraita according to each of these opinions? So now the Gemara spells out the uh, legwork, the, 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 the technicalities. Abayes Avala Kirav Hasta, Metares la Kirav Hasta, it goes like this. Here were the words. Right, that's what we talked about. If a person prophesied to uproot a matter from the Torah, a person prophesied says, there's no longer this Shabbat business. The rabbis have been holding this over your head. They've been pulling the wool over your eyes. It's not in the Bible. It's not what it means and so forth or whatever. What's the liability? That's the million dollar question. What's the hayuf? Now we're going like Rav Hasta. Rav Hasta says, according to Ebna, all the Beraita said was Hayat. If we're reading the Beraita like Rav Hasta, we read Divrei HaKol Behenek. Everybody agrees you're Hayat Behenek. What if he says, oh, no Shabbat this week, uh, no Kashrut next week, or something along those lines? Rabbi Shimon Poter, that's strange. We said earlier that everybody agrees, Patur. We had a derashah min haddavar, needs to be a full matter. Vuadin Rabbanan. That's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to say, even though the Beraita says only according to Rabbi Shimon, it means, and by extension, hachamim, ubavodat kochavim, afilu omer hayom, ibeduha, umahar bitilua, hayav, morkidi itle, morkidi itle, and that last. 
last statement of uprooting even partially Avodah that's what we're talking about in our first pasuk, Min HaDerech, the halacha is going to be, according to Rabbi Shimon Chenek, according to the Hachamim Sekila, which means the same, we're about to do it along the lines of Rav Hamnuna. this Beraita, which we cited, can be read, just like many other statements, in two ways. Whether you hold like Rav Hamnuna or Rav Hasta, what separates Rav Hamnuna and Rav Hasta again? Everybody agrees if there's a prophecy to uproot Avodah Zarah, whether partial or entire. What's the halacha? According to the Bishimon, according to the Hachamim. Everybody agrees if that's Min Haderich. Everybody agrees that if there's a partial uprooting of Shabbat, of Kashrut, of any other halacha, Patur. Why? The Pasuk says Davar. The question between Rav Hamnuna and Rav Hasta, I figure if I mention this enough times, something will seep in. Question between Rav Hamnuna and Rav Hasta goes like this um, What about a full uprooting of any of the other mitzvot? Shabbat, there's no Shabbat, there's no Kashrut, and so on and so forth. Over there, Rav Hasta says that everybody agrees, Hanek. Rav Amnuna says, wait a second, the Hachamim maintain it, Sekila. That's a question of how you read the Pesukim. We just read that first Beraita, which said just the word Hayav, along the lines of Rav Hasta. Hayav means, yeah, Hayav Hanek. Ravasa Vailak Rav Amnuna. Ravau disagrees with Abaye and maintains like Rav Hamnuna. Hamnuna. He has the same words in the Beraita and he can read them along, th- along these lines. Keep in mind the Beraita began with uh, What's that a reference to? Min HaTorah, does it mean specifically Avodah Zarah? The first reading was specifically Avodah Zarah. Now we're going to read any situation. Hayav, Mor Kedi'idle, Mor Kedi'idle, right? Both by Avodah Zarah and by Sha'ar Mitzvot, according to Rav Hamnuna, according to the Hachamim, Yachayav Sekila, Lekayem Miksat, Vatel Miksat, B'Sha'ar Mitzvot, Rabbi Shimon Poter, B'Wadin Rabbanan, Ba'avodat Kochavim, Afidu Omer Hayom Ha'ibeduha, Ulmahar Betelua, Hayav, Mor Kedi'idle, Mor Kedi'idle. Okay, so effectively, if you've been following the technical legwork, the Gemara has taken this Beraita, which is written, here's the big English word for today, equivocally. Equivocally means you can read it in one of two ways. It's not clear, it's not explicit. And the question is, whose opinion is it following? And the answer is, either one of them. Whose opinion do we follow? The answer is, Mahlok between Rava and Abaye. We generally speak on Posek like Rava. I would, uh, I would suggest to none of you to go out and be a false prophet, prophet and test the system, but that's the halacha with regards to our matter over here. All right, that all aside, says the Gemara, now we can go forward a little bit further. Amar Biyavau, Amar Biyohanan, Bakol, on all situations, all mitzvot, Im yomar lecha navi avor al divrei Torah shema'lo chutz me'avodat kochavim. By any of the mitzvot, and Rashi adds in very important words, it says, behora'at she'ah. If a prophet is commands and instructs under circumstances that you should go against one of the mitzvot, you should listen to him. The prime example, the only example we really have explicitly in Tanakh is the story of Eliyahu Hanavi, which we've reviewed and discussed on many occasions. Eliyahu Hanavi is going up against these false prophets, they're known as Nevi'eha Ba'al, in the time of Ahav and Izevil, in order to prove the truthfulness of God, needs to slaughter and sacrifice outside of Mishkan. That's called Shehutehut. That's a violation. He's not only doing it himself, he's involving many people in the fulfillment of that. How is he doing that? We call that hora'acha. We call that a matter which the prophet could 
based on pressing situations, determine and decide. I'll say, you listen to him. That's the way it works. And we could discuss, and we have discussed some of the details with regards to that. However, not what do you mean? Even if the Prophet somehow pulls off theatrics, he pulls off some sort of sign, miracles of sorts, he brings you a sign, uh, an oath or a morphet, he stops the sun in the middle of the sky, it doesn't, it doesn't set or it doesn't rise entirely. And he says, you see, I'm proving to you, you need to do avodah zarah, don't listen to him, under all circumstances. If he did it for sha'ar mitzvot, okay, you look at him, you say he's a prophet, clearly he has the sign to back himself up, and we need to violate just this time, just under these circumstances. Avodah zarah, irrespective of what he brings you and how he says it, you never listen to him. Tanya, the Beraita, following up on this statement, says, what's that? It's only Avodah Zarah. The three sins which we learned about on Dafa'in Dalid is a reference to um, when we say Yehareg Val Ya'avor. That's not to say that if a prophet told you that that's under duress. Uh, be honest, the person puts a gun to your head and says, Do Under those circumstances, you take the bullet instead of doing the sin. Separate situation, a prophet whom you and I accept based on signs, based on past experience. He's a true prophet. He's telling you only now, because of XYZ, we need to violate this. We listen to him for 612, except for Avodah Zarah. We won't listen to him for that. Tanya, uh, that specific reference to even if he performs a miracle, which is an amazing one. Uh, well, let's pay attention to that for a second. Hagilili Omer, Hagilili makes the following statement. Torah Kochavim. So the statement here of Rabbi Yosef Gilili, and Rashi explains, he's, he's really, he's reading a pasuk in the Torah. The pasuk in the Torah, in Devarim Perek Yod Gimam, the same context, right before what we were reading earlier, says the following, Rashi quotes it, or Cholem Halom, if there's a prophet or some sort of person who's getting uh, images and, uh, and messages he claims in his dreams, and he gives you a sign. Now again, the Pesukim go on to describe Avodah Zarah. Why are you talking like that, Torah? Just make clear, if the prophet comes and he tells you to do Avodah Zarah, don't listen to him. Why does the Torah go out of it? Don't listen to him on the old circumstances. You should know how powerful these uh, sorcerers and witchcraft people who are going to bring you to Avodah Zarah will be. They'll be able to perform miracles which will appear to prove their truthfulness. And that's why the Torah says, according to the Biosea Gilili, even if he gives you a sign, because we expect him to give you a sign. We expect him to pull off great feats in the future. Says God, I'm warning you from now. Very clearly, the appeal, the strength, the movement will be such that their adherents, their leaders are going to be bringing these signs. Don't listen to it. Because again, otherwise it's a silly statement. Why would the Torah be talking like that? Just say, don't do Avodah signs. It's almost as if you're giving them some credence. That's right, says Rabbi Yosei Because God foresees, God's telling you, that's the appeal. The appeal's going to be miraculous. Tanya, Amar Akiva, Has Shalom Shakadosh Baruch Says Rabbi Akiva to Rabbi Yosei, seemingly in conversation, heaven forbid, are you really imagining such a thing? When the Torah says, if he gives you a sign, you think he's really going to pull off a sign? Do you know who's 
going to have to aid him and help him in bringing, of bringing forth those signs? God, God's never going to aid a person. I'm going to help a person who wants to trick people to Avodah Zarah. Has Shalom to even imagine that's going to be a case. Even if he stops the sun in the middle, that'll never happen unless it's true. So rather, what is the Torah then referring to? And the Torah says, if he brings you an ot or a mofet, if he brings you some sort of sign, don't listen to him. So again, Rabbi Yosei Gilili said, because that's going to be the power, that's going to be the effect of the Avodah Avodah Zarah. You can have a very difficult future. It's going to be situations in which they're bringing miracles of, of out-of-this-world feats, and you don't know what to do. Don't listen to him. Says Rabbi Akiva, that's not what it's referring to. It can't be that's what it's referring to. It, God will never allow for that to happen. To Avodah Avodah Zarah, to that. Ela kigon hananya ben azur navi navi Says Rabbi Akiva, when the Torah says that a false prophet will be able to bring forth a sign, a miraculous sign, one that undisputed is out of the norm and, uh, and shifts the laws of nature. It's, for example, a strange, far-off situation like that of Hananiah ben Azor. You might remember him. We talked about him on the top of the, on, on the Peteta Muda Aleph. Over there, this was the prophet who listens to Yirmiyahu's prophecy and then uh, derives it on his own. He even made a kalva homer about it, and he derives furthermore with regards to the proper battle uh, situation for us. If God said he's going to destroy Madai, you can imagine what he's telling us about our attack of Ashur and so forth, uh, of, of Bavel. Uh, so uh, as a result, he's speaking falsely. However, and it's not clear how he knows this, to be Akiva, we don't have, to the best of my knowledge, sourcing in Navi on this, but Hananiah ben Azur, the suggestion is, started off as a Navi Emet. So here's the, here's the individual. He's a good guy. He starts as a true prophet. He's able to bring signs. He's able to, in some way, have nature shift itself for him because he's a straightforward, straight-standing individual. And as a result, you look to him. You've been studying with him. He's a good guy. He knows his stuff. He makes these signs and so on and so forth. That's the situation. Now, that person goes off the beaten track, and he, tomorrow, after those signs, walks in and says, gentlemen, avodah zaradah. Oh, one second. But he brought you signs. Yes, that's what the Torah is talking about. You're never going to find the situation where the suggestion is the guy starts speaking, specifically a prophecy about avodah zaradah, God's going to allow for him to bring an auto or a mofet. God's going to allow for him to skew nature in, in some sort of miraculous feat. It'll only be, says Rabbi Akiva, in that sort of situation where he started it and turned into Sheikh. Okay, it's an interesting debate, interesting conversation between Biakivan and Biose, which might have further uh, reaching ramifications with regards to what Ot and Mofet really are and to what extent people at any point in time have had some sort of involvement. Because Rabbi Yosea Gelili is, so to speak, saying there's a memshala, uh, it's for human beings to be able to do this, whereas Rabbi Akiva is disagreeing, there's no such thing. It touches upon a little bit, there's a mahloket in medieval uh, uh, rabbis, Harambam and others, about when the Torah talks about sorcery and witchcraft, which we talked a bunch about in our Masechet, was there ever any essence to it? Obviously not a true essence, but were they actually doing it or was it always like magicians today, just better than magicians today? In other words, was there a truthful reality? And yes, I know we've talked on more than one occasion about Shimuel rising up and so forth, but that kind of is, is what underlies a little bit this mahloket over here because Rabbi Yosef Galili says, oh sure, they'll be able to stop the sun, don't listen to him. And Rabbi Yosef says, are you crazy? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu wasn't involved in this, human beings not going to be able to delude you by true acts of that sort. The only 
way they'd be able to bring forth something true is if they actually were a true prophet beforehand. All right, further on that on another occasion. The Gemara concludes for us, and again, as we've mentioned, this Perik used to be, and even in Mishnayot, uh, um, which are published until today, is the last chapter in Masechet Sanhedrin. Although after this chapter, it's called Yisrael Yishlam Chilak La'olam Haba, as published in the Gemara, and makes sense for why it's published that way in the Gemara, although we discussed different reasons. In, Ge- in Mishnah and in Gemara in the past, this was the end of it. It's for that reason that this last segment, for those who learned Masechet Makot, is what leads directly into Masechet Makot. The Gemara begins and says, well, you're in the middle of a conversation. The Gemara says, no, we we, we were finishing the conversation we started, Masechet Sanhedrin. So, one second, there's still a hold, there's still 23 pages to go. Once upon a time, this ended the Masechet, which ironically, although we didn't plan it this way, this will end it for us as well. You know, tapping back into our uh, tradition. Says the Gemara Bat Kohen, if you recall, the Mishnah referred to the following situation briefly. Bat Kohen Ala. Here's the circumstance and here's the halacha. The Torah says, if you're dealing with a circumstance situation where you have false conspiring witnesses, the rabbis explain that's a situation where two witnesses testify about a person. Let's say for argument's sake, they say he did avodah zarah, is liable to death penalty. And in turn, they're found to be false conspiring witnesses specifically because they were displaced. You saw him on that day, you were across the globe with us the whole day. What's the punishment? That which they conspired to give is the punishment they get, they get themselves. Now, there's a interesting situation because it goes like this. The Torah at the beginning of Parashat Emor says, and we've discussed each of these on so many, because a good conclusion of Masechet Sanhedrin, or the minutia of Masechet Sanhedrin coming in three lines over here. What about a situation where a woman or a man has, uh, has uh, uh, illegal relations with, let's say, Eshetish? The halacha, generally speaking, is both the man and the woman are liable if they're caught and warned and so forth, to Henek. What about if it's a Bat Kohen? A daughter of Kohen, Torah says, Ubat Kohen kite heliz not et avia mehalet lelet ba'esh tisaref. She gets serefa. However, the rabbis read the pasuk carefully and says, et avia he mehalelet, he bisrefa ve'en bo'ala bisrefa, which means effectively putting these two laws together. Uh, for, leave the Edim Zomi on the side for a second. Let's think about uh, Bat Kohen again. What's the halakha? She gets serefa, higher level punishment, we assume. And he gets Henek, lower level punishment. Who's he? The man who had relations with her. Good. Not so good. Now you have two witnesses who falsely conspire about this. It never happened, right? It never happened. They falsely conspire. What's their punishment? On the one hand, they're trying to give the man Henek. On the other hand, they're trying to give the woman serefa. What do they get? So the Mishnah told us they get Henek. That's the exception to the rule type of case, because we, generally speaking, assume they get exactly that which they conspire. It's a little tricky over here. You can't give them two punishments. How'd you choose one? That's the halakha. How'd you get to that halakha before even reading in the Gemara? The answer is, the pasuk I quoted to you more than once is, You should give them that which they conspire to give to their brother and the derashah is to their brother and not to their sister. Neither one of these are actually their brother and sister. They can't be testifying, but it means to the man as opposed to the woman. This case and specifically this case. Let's read the Gemara. Where do we derive all this from? Again, we, we, we mentioned all this outside. Amar Ravaha Berede Ravika de Tanya. We have a Beraitar. What do you learn from that? Again, he's really questioning that last word. What's Le'ahiv? You 
should say, give them that which they conspired to give. What's le'achiv? So the derasha is, le'achiv means to the male that they're tasa. Male? What's a situation? There's a male and a female. It's our circumstance. Lefish, because generally speaking, shekola mezumamin shebatora zomemen Generally speaking, if you have a person who's testifying falsely against a person or people who had relations, uh, it's the same sort of uh, punishment they're going to get. They testified panic on both of them. They get panic. Ah, what about... When it comes to the woman who's the daughter of a Kohen, she and only she gets serifa, not the person who had relations with her. As a result, I'm confused, says Rabbi Yosef. What do the Aydin Zomim mean, the false conspiring witnesses? Do to them that which they conspired. They conspired to give serifa to her and Hanek to him, are both terrible, but one a little bit more severe than the other. That's what that final pasuk, La'asot Le'achiv, teaches me. Le'achiv they get Hanek and not serifa. They get strangulation as they conspired to give to the man as opposed to serifa which they conspired to give to the woman. It's based on this that the first Mishnah, Masechim Makot, picks up and says, oh, there are other exceptions to the rule. What if there were false conspiring witnesses about someone that he's what's called halal, he's invalidated to Kehuna. What do they get? Do they become halal if they were Kohanim or they just get Malkot? What do you get if you try to conspire to give the person Il Miklat, what we call Galut, that is, you said he killed Bishogeg. Do they get that or they get, just get Malkot? That's the continuation from this Mishnah and this Gemara. Hadran Alach, Elo Amen, amen.